Welcome to the first episode of the Business Magazine's Future of Our Cities podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Emerson, the editor of the Business Magazine, and over the coming weeks and months, we'll be exploring the forces that are reshaping our urban centres and interviewing the people who are on the front line of these changes. The pandemic shuttered our towns and city centres, with shoppers and workers staying away. And now as we return to normal, it's clear that fewer people are returning. In this episode, we speak to John Hoyle of Souk, whose new retail concept is challenging traditional perceptions of the high street. We also speak to Scott Witchows of Stantec about how the design of our towns and cities is evolving. Yep, so I'm a former landlord. I could see clearly that the business model for physical space is broken. And I left my sensible job and I joined an accelerator uh, in East London called Zinc. It's all about solving big social problems with tech. And I spent nine months thinking about how we could maximise the utility of of empty shops on the high street. So Souk um, uh, maximises the utility of 120 hours across the week by um, putting a physical device into empty shops that you can turn into a digital canvas and using clever lighting, audio, the digital element and our analytics platform, create a bespoke environment at the touch of a button. This allows hourly rental, um, multiple different occupiers over the course of the day drives more accessibility to shops than previously existed at the same time as making more money for landlords. And critically, we count everything. So we are aiming to be able to tell all of our occupiers how best to use physical space um, on an insight-driven basis to save them money and make selling much more cost-effective. John said the concept was proving popular with landlords who had an abundance of empty retail space to let and also was allowing new outlets to appear in the high street for the first time. I mean, first up, we were very, very popular with landlords because they obviously have a huge problem at the moment with vacancy. Um, Shopping centre vacancy is nearly 20% in the UK at the moment. And brands also are looking for an alternative to the static retail solution. You know, why would you take a shop for a decade, fill it full of stuff, staff it for seven days a week, and then pray that you make all your money uh, to make all that viable on a Saturday? It's absurd. And now that online retail is in abundance, people are looking for a similar type experience in real life. And so that what that's meant is we can embrace all sorts of occupiers that are currently um, priced out of the traditional physical retail market. And in turn, that's excited the customers of all those occupiers, because suddenly a whole new generation of brands are able to pop up in physical space uh, and engage with their customers in real life. The most um, Probably the most innovative use case today actually has been by a business that recently featured on Dragon's Den called Wearing. Um, they are a, an app that allows you to essentially um, match your all the clothes in your wardrobe, pick an outfit without actually having to go into that wardrobe. And of course, using our digital screens, they are able to come up with all sorts uh, of ways of showcasing this incredible app, but doing it in real life. But it's not just retailers. I mean, we've had someone turn the space into a shrine to their girlfriend and propose to her. She said yes. And, you know, that for me is almost as exciting and as innovative a use as anything a retailer could come up with. John says the number of high street shops will continue to decline. However, he also says that the opportunity for retailers and landlords in the future will come when the thinking shifts away from physical spaces and more towards time. 
So I think there's going to be a, a significant contraction in retail. We've definitely got too much. And that retail that remains needs to address audiences in a more agile way. You know, the whole world is moving towards an agile footing, yet real estate has stood still, partly because um, real estate owners are looking for bankable occupiers who tend to be the bigger brands. But if you think about time rather than space um, on the high street, it makes a lot more sense. What's the point in having shops open on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when the customers who might be students, either at school or college, or workers who are at work are not in shops? What's the point? It doesn't make any sense. So I think the future high street is going to be much more flexible and less static across seven days a week, and it's going to reflect the right audiences at the right time to allow people to benefit from these assets that are currently sitting uh, latent. Well, part of the excitement of Souk is there's such a wide spectrum of occupancy. Uh, we've had Radley, who are the um, women's accessories and um, handbag brand um, in our Edinburgh space. We've had Uber in our Oxford Street space, Mastercard in our, um, our space in the Metro Centre in the Northeast. So kind of a wide spectrum of big brands using us for all sorts of reasons. Some of it's, you know, normal retail. Other elements are a bit more social. But then we've also had uh, esports businesses. We've had fitness businesses. We've had, you know, traditional retail. We've even had a retail banking um, experiment. So the point of Souk is to drive accessibility for all sorts of different uses, not just retailers. And that's what's most exciting about it, because as we all know, a Monday to a Saturday, it's a completely different place wherever you are. And what's going on in our shops should reflect that, and it currently doesn't. Scott Whitchells is Director of Transport and Infrastructure at Stantec. Scott says the design of our towns and cities is moving away from design centred around the car to reflect the changing ways that we are now living and working. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the simple answer to that is yes, in one word. But if we break that down a bit, um, towns and cities have always been um, developed around accessibility and, and transport hubs. So historically around seaports and rivers and then railways. So since the late 50s, we've seen the, the easy answer for planners is, is to just build stuff wherever it can go and, and assume that people can access it by car because that, that's what everyone was doing. People were buying cars and being encouraged to buy cars and manufacturers were promoting that. So what we've had is a general growth in a car dependent society and in terms of towns and cities a move towards the need to accommodate this growth in cars. So um, even within some historic towns and cities we've seen the construction of bypasses over the years and, and big ring roads within towns and, and new roads going in to connect places within towns. So um, and, and you can see that, you know, with, with nearly one and a half cars per household in the UK now and over 30 million cars on the road, um, that, you know, we, we now have this issue where we've, we've created a car dependent society and for the past sort of 50 years designing towns and cities to accommodate cars. Um, so we've ended up with that growth in car use outstripping available space. And, and we have... Um, you know the self-fulfilling prophecy that uh, we get more and more congestion so unfortunately we are we're victims of our own success in in many ways of, of that growth in car use and car ownership yeah so i think to 
to change this mindset, we, we need a few things to happen. We One, we need the, the design mindset of the planners to change, to move away from a car-dependent society. Um, so make sure the infrastructure being put in place isn't designed around just car use. It's designed to accommodate other things. And, and we need a mindset shift in the way people behave. And we need a, that cultural shift and buy-in from communities and and to do that we've got to make it easier and better for them to to go about their um working and living in a way that means they don't need a car they don't need to use a car all the time which does mean better planning of towns and cities it means making sure you've got access to all the facilities and services you need and without having to use a car so Ideally, you can walk and cycle to these places or you're provided with really good public transport between these places. Um, but that does start with really good land use planning and making sure that the things you need are within um, pretty close proximity so you can get around without that reliance on private car use. If the mindset of those planning our towns and cities changes away from the car, what will our built-up spaces actually look like? Yeah, I mean, certainly residential office um, and office design and thinking's changed because going back about 20 years of the push for more sustainable development. So, so the, the rationale was that we need to create a future for, for future generations that doesn't undermine or damage um, the planet in a way that would um, hinder their quality of life. So sustainable development planning has been happening for many years uh, and we've seen that emerge through various changes um, through design uh, and location of development. And it, it started to develop through improvements in green space, for example, in, in uh, new schemes, better amenity, better community facilities. And in terms of the overall um, use of resources, the building fabric, so a fabric first approach to improve energy performance, um, which has wider benefits. Um, so. So we've started to see that shift over the last 20 years or so. Um, and we've seen a, an increased demand for better, higher quality buildings from, from occupiers. Um, but also we are still stuck with the, the challenge of location because you, you can't necessarily tackle accessibility. So, so we're making great strides in terms of building fabric, energy performance, energy efficiency, green space, amenity, that type of thing. Um, but the, the big challenge still remains around accessibility and making sure that these developments are not car dependent. With more people working from home permanently now, how suitable are the homes that we live in and also work in? Could there be an alternative arrangement that combines the benefits of home working with its lack of commute, with an environment that offers limited distractions and all the functions of the office at hand? Scott Wedgels believes community hubs could provide the answer. Yeah, the, the idea of community work hubs really started to emerge partly from lessons learned from the pandemic about people having to work from home and the realisation that, uh, you know, many people could just about set themselves up for home working, but an awful lot of people couldn't and it wasn't suited to that environment. So um, there's been a lot of thinking recently around how... Um, residential communities could actually reflect something like the, the work environment, but in a, a close by location. So these, these are emerging as sort of smaller buildings, multi-purpose centers, um, 
where you can go to, where you've got reliable, high quality broadband, you've got somewhere to sit and set up a desk. Um, you know, you might have a library there, you might um, be associated with the local um, coffee shops. Um, so those are, those are all linked together. But what you know is you're going to a place that's, that's warm and dry, it's got fast broadband, it's got a desk, uh, it's got all the heating and services you need. Um, and there are some great examples of this that, that have previously merged. There's, there's one called Devon Work Hubs, which links this type of facility together across Devon. You can go and pay as you go type service. Um, but actually, we're also starting to see it emerge in the design of larger new housing settlements. So, so house builders and developers are starting to think that where they're allocating space for what would have been a local shop or a community centre, that those are the places that the, the new community hubs will be designed into. Um, so you, you may need to, uh, for example, pay a small fee to use it, but that will be cheaper than you having to heat your own home, for example. Um, and you may not have such good broadband in your house, but you will have in these, these work hubs. Um, so so they, they really could be as flexible as you like in terms of their appearance and their use. Some are in, in some of the existing ones, for example, are in old churches, which is not necessarily ideal. Um, the more modern ones will be in, in high quality buildings, um, energy efficient buildings with really good comms and broadband connections. Um, so they'll provide all the facilities and services you need to do your job without any hindrance um, for a relatively low cost. What developments are getting it right when it comes to balancing the new hybrid world we now find ourselves in? Scott points to two examples in Reading. I mean, if you if you look across the southeast and, and indeed nationally, there are some fantastic examples of developments that um, are being built now that, that meet the highest sustainability um, criteria. But what I think is worth doing is looking back a bit. And, and one example I'll pick is, is Green Park in South Reading. Now, that was that was designed as, as an out and conceived as an out of town business park. So American style, car dependent, um, large open space, lots of offices. Um, but why it's a great example is what they've done over the last 20 years to make it more and more sustainable as they go forward. So um, Green Park has always been designed to um, improve flood alleviation in the area. So there's a, there's a huge flood storage system as part of the development, but that creates a nice environment. It creates a lake, it creates landscape, it creates biodiversity. So as those things have established over the years, you now have a fantastic environment and setting that, that wasn't there uh, initially. Um, in parallel, what's happened is the mix of uses has changed. So rather than just be an out of town office park with car parking where people come in at nine o'clock and go home at five o'clock, um, there's more of a rich mix of uses. So there are um, retail and leisure offers on site. There's a big new housing development going in right next to it. So you can, you can live and work locally. And then the third piece is, is the connectivity, the accessibility. So whilst it used to be car dependent, now it has a high quality bus link uh, using segregated bus lanes through to Reading Town Centre, so you can easily hop on and hop off a bus into Reading Town Centre very quickly and and avoid all the queuing. And there's a brand new station about to open there. So, so through the years, it's evolved from um, you know an 80s style out of town car dependent business park to what is now a much more integrated community offering where 
you've got everything you need on site within a walk cycle distance. Plus, if you need to go further distance, you can easily access the main hub at Reading um, by the new train service that will be in this year or, or by those high quality bus links um, running frequently in and out of town on segregated bus lanes. So I think that that's one great example of, of how an out of town site can evolve into a much more sustainable community. The other one I'd point to is is the um, redevelopment around Reading Station that's happening now. So as I mentioned, accessibility is a key driver of, of sustainability. And if you can um, create new communities close to station hubs, they will in, inherently be more sustainable. So Station Hill is, is immediately to the south of Reading Station, um, which is one of the most highly accessible hubs in the UK. And what that's doing is, is creating very high density development. So large numbers of people being able to access all of the community facilities and services within the town centre in Reading, within a walking distance. But then within the scheme itself, a rich mix of uses. So there is residential, there is employment, there is retail, there is leisure, there is amenity space. And that means you've got that whole new community being created right next to a station hub. Um, and you're not car dependent, so the development itself doesn't need to provide a lot of car parking. So they're, they're different examples, but they're, they're great case studies of what you can do um, to think ahead and create the sort of sustainable development we're trying to achieve. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of our Future of Cities podcast. And thanks to our guests, John and Scott, for taking part. Tweet me at Stephen underscore Emerson with any podcast feedback. And don't forget to subscribe to hear future podcasts.